I'll tell you something I love about being in France, in addition to some seriously delicious butter, and that is the wide selection of wines I can find in France for low prices. It can be much more difficult to source those same bottles back in the States, and that's why I love to buy wines out of France with Ideal Wine. I have bottles shipped to me, hassle-free. It's easy. Ideal Wine has a new auction every week and is a great source for iconic names like Ouette, Louis Roeder, and Domaine Lefleve, as well as rising stars like Arnaud Lachaud, Gonon, and Tissot. Find the wines you'd rather be drinking at idealwine.com. That's I-D-E-A-L-W-I-N-E.com and have the wine shipped to you in the States. Use the promo code FIRST, F-I-R-S-T, for $15 off your first order of $150 or more. Hey, that's $15 you could save, and that is some good butter money. See for yourself at Ideal Wine. I'm Levy Dalton, and this is All Drink to That, where we get behind the scenes of the wine business. Talitha Whitby is on the show today. She's the proprietor of Vine Wine in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. One of the things I really like about your store is that you guys took the time to do decorative stuff in the window. Oh, yeah. That's not the classic, like, champagne display that's been bought by a large company. Yeah. I mean, it was really, like, it was like the beach theme, but you did it without a ton of build-out. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like you didn't take the major corporation handout, but you also didn't take that model where everything has to be a modern display, you know, which no. costs all this money and it adds to the bottom line or takes away from the bottom line, I guess. There's, yeah. a, there's a part of me, and it comes from my old hippie West Coast background, mm-hmm. um, which is definitely anti – I'm maybe the – the worst as far as pushing a brand on somebody's throat. And so uh-huh. when we opened in that location and there was so much storefront, I had this image of people sitting along the front window uh-huh. during the tastings, which is what happens. They park their bikes in there, they sit there, they hang out, they taste the wine, and sort of being able to see that from the Lorimer side. And then the Skillman side, I made a rule that we would never have a wine bottle or a liquor bottle in there. Um, so our our displays are very much sort of last minute, off the cuff, whoever comes up with a good idea. Um, okay. And they're just about, it's about being something funny and interesting to see in the neighborhood. And how many people are on the staff these days? There are six of us, I think. Oh, okay. So that's a fair yeah. fair amount of people. So there's there's a good chance the window might look interesting once in a while. Yeah, somebody's yeah. got a good idea. <laughs> yeah. But you're also involved in a spirits game, which we should say. And often mm-hmm. that can be pretty... Um, I don't know if I would say corporate, but it can be kind of cutthroat. It's incredibly and, corporate. You know, a little bit uh, anti, uh, you know, impulsive idea, I yeah. feel like. Um, do you find that you're drawn to certain spirits as a result of that and not others? Or how are you approaching the spirits lineup? The spirits, in the same way that I approach the wine. I mean, I, I want my spirits to reflect things that I would drink, mm-hmm. things that I would want to have at home, and things that I wouldn't feel weird if I if my daughter was drinking it when she was older, I wouldn't think that I was giving her a bunch of chemicals and junk. So that's um, important to you. It is important. That I think we don't have a lot of additives. In yeah, across the board. Um, but do you cook that way too? I mean, is that yeah part of the game? Not a lot of processed foods. I think uh, we used to call it lower on the food chain. So oh okay, yeah, you get closer to the ground. Whatever. I mean, I eat all foods and I love the whole variety. But I think that that fewer ingredients is often 
a better solution. A better solution. So, uh, yeah, I wonder if that kind of also came out of the, the restaurant background a little bit. You know, Zoe kind of farm to table ish. Yeah, they were. Bit. I you know, Zoe was a great restaurant. Actually. Yeah. How long were you there? I was there about a year. Okay, so yeah. enough time to like soak in the vibe. Yeah. Was that your first restaurant job in New York? Um, that will be the first one on record. Yeah. Okay. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> yeah. On the rap sheet. Yeah. Hey, so if someone were getting involved with restaurants or retail mm -hmm. coming up, say they're 21, they're 22, they want to learn more, which direction would you steer them and why for each? Oh, it's such a hard question. I am always, uh, I always like somebody who has some restaurant experience because I feel like they understand the idea of creating an environment, a party, a situation, you know, and, mm -hmm. and that's something that is so intrinsic in the restaurant industry. But I have to say that I, that having been on both sides that I really, I feel like retail gets the shaft from, you mean the press in terms of press, in and terms of press recognition of, and yeah, status, status. Um, well, I think you're right. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's and, and not even do. really a question. Honestly, you do get the shaft. Actually, I've brought a shaft to give Did you. you? Here, <laughs> Thank here you, you are. so much. <laughs> I'm going to hang that up on the wall. Um, maybe that'll be the theme of our next window. Retail gets the shaft. Um, oh, man. No, I, it's unfortunate. I mean, we yeah. do. What's the frustration level? I mean, when you see an article come out that's like, hey, the thing. And you're like, wow, it's another sommelier. I, you know, I am so inert to that. That's the way it is. And yeah. that's what it is. My big beefs right now with the, the fr or the frustration that I have is, feel like it's it's amazing to me that this cocktail culture can exist in these yeah. cocktail bars yeah. and you go into them and they they have like nine types of gin and 18 types of ice and special tools from Japan and right. they've flown these people all over the place to make bitters and barrel age and then their wine list is Pinot Grigio and Cote d'Aron. Yeah, it is kind of the shame of the it's, business. I don't understand how There's not a lot of crossover. There's not a lot of crossover and then mm. I it makes me sad when you hear from and I know that this is technically never happens but when you hear from an importer that you're not allowed to buy a certain wine because it's a restaurant wine mm -hmm. oh, right. and you can't even offer I it think to that happens customers. a lot less now though it happens less definitely and and that's a great thing because i think that people are understanding that that what retail used to be in new york is not what retail is anymore how do you see the changes um the there's a lot less bulletproof glass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. There are, you know, there are more and more stores opening. Since I've opened that my store, a number of stores have opened that have gone on the model of of actually tasting the wine, buying mm -hmm, wine mm -hmm. from numerous companies. You can go into a store and you can tell if you're especially if you're in the industry, whether that store buys from one importer right. pretty quickly. And if it's a big importer and it's just a corporate thing and they're really in the liquor business, you know? Right. Um, it's, so what you're saying is uh, before people were a little bit more focused on scores and they weren't actually making the buying decisions so much on their own. They were just like ordering things that had gotten big scores. And then also they were ordering things that were coming from their liquor distributor that they could do in terms of bulk quantity. You're, you're great at this. It's exactly. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So you started in Long Island City. How'd that come about? Um, I got pregnant, was working actually at 60 Tom at the time. Okay. Um, and decided that I was going to move to the suburbs, and the suburbs being Long Island City, um, from the Lower East Side. And so sure. we moved out there, like in a nutshell, had a, opened a cafe, had a baby, um, and realized when my daughter was two that there was no wine really to be found in Long Island City. We had you one. You needed to provide for her. 
Well, I yeah, she needed a lot of wine. I need a lot of wine. But Those milk I, bottles, so, you know, they yeah. empty quicker than you think. Um, so I and I had been in the restaurant industry and I had done wine lists. We had done an all American wine list when Relish opened. We had done I had done wine lists in Seattle at a couple of places that I'd worked out there previous to that. Um, and I knew people in the wine industry, and so I brazenly was like, I know, I've got a two and a half year old. Let's open a wine store. Um, yeah. Initially, I wanted to stock about 100 wines and have them all be under $20. That was my ultimate goal. I feel like originally it was kind of a smaller shop. It was a smaller shop. It was about, I mean, it was a 750-square-foot space, and it was like 550 square feet of actual usage space. Um, but I, I was very clear in a couple of things that I hated about wine stores. And the first was I hated, I mean, obviously the bulletproof thing where you have to point to a bottle and somebody goes and gets it. And then you look and see if it's like the one you wanted or sure. how much it is. But I also hated going into stores and being handed a bottle, like asking for help and having somebody give you a bottle in some of the nicer stores. And then looking at it and realizing that it's $38 or $45. Oh, okay. And this is, you know, 2005, $45 yeah. for a bottle of wine and feeling like uncomfortable that yeah. you didn't like, want to spend that much oh, money. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm gonna actually, hand it back to I'm you. cheaper than that. Sorry. Yeah. Um, so when I opened, I wanted to have a store that that had all wines that I had tasted that I actually liked and that I would drink myself for whatever reason and that had tags written on them. So if you didn't want to talk to me, if your first you know, impulse oh, is that you could come tags. in I get it. and you could read a little bit about the wine, you could see how much it was. We're very transparent about that. And then a lot of times... The tags really just open up a conversation because once you read that, you can go, oh, does this wine, when you say cherry, is that like sweet? And you have an opportunity to talk to the customer about, no, it's just like, it's the idea of that like richness of a dark cherry, but it's not a sweet fruit on the finish. You know, it's still going to be a really dry. People are scared by wine. And for so long, you know, when we were talking about like the history of wine, wine was supposed to be intimidating. You're supposed to be scared. I think, in some circles. And it was supposed to be something, you know, that the higher this one small echelon had knew about, they'd read the books. Um, and I wanted to be, like, a democratic wine store. So what if they're scared by cursive writing, though? Is that, <laughs> if they're like, I don't know, I'm afraid to ask if it's an L or a T. A T then that, they, they buy something else. They need to go somewhere else. <laughs> no, 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 they yeah. just go to the bottle next. Which oh, has, like, okay, print that doesn't have the <laughs> doesn't thing. have cursive. All right. they so all you provide have, for the so whole. <laughs> we're, we're trying to make everyone happy. See, it's been thought out. Um, yeah. yeah, so we spent five years in Long Island City, which were five years? Six years. Almost six years in Long Island City, um, which were great, but... The, when the opportunity, I had I moved around a little bit, but we ended up settling in Williamsburg, my daughter and I, and she was going to school over there. So, oh, so you moved out of Long, Long Island, Island City, City like yourself. Yep. Okay. Um, and sent her to, cause that, partially because I wanted her to be Better in the public school. school. Yeah. Better school. Um, but so the opportunity to move to Williamsburg and to be on that corner became available because Brooklyn Kitchen had moved out and I had a and relationship you knew them. with them. Yeah. Got it. Um, so, and it's a great corner. Like a lot of shops aren't on a corner. Who doesn't want a corner in in New York City? I'm right. sorry. Like that is like the classic. And it's close to the. It's close subway. to the subway. There's a lot of people who walk past it. It's amazing how much foot traffic there is there. Because I find when you think about <laughs> traditionally very successful wine stores, Pastor, you know, mm -hmm. Union Square wines. Hey, they're right next to a subway. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's not a minor thing. No, anytime you can be next to a subway. It's it's the way people in New York are. We're like creatures of habit. Yeah. And so if something shows up next to the subway, then you see it and you go there. And if it doesn't, it might take you like a year to find it if it's not on your subway route. Are there other ways that you feel like you really fit into what New Yorkers want? 
Interesting. I don't know if I've ever thought about fitting into what New Yorkers want. I think I've just always had such an ego like a, that I thought that, brashness, that like, what I want, everybody must want what I right, want. Right, 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 right. But have you seen that happen? feels like you've seen that happen, <clears throat> like where the community kind of caught up to your wine taste. In a yeah, way, you they know? did. Yeah. Um, and also, I mean, when when I opened, Jenny and Francois were not even really in the market. They had a little right. bit of wine and it was at Uva. And then all of a sudden they had like four pages that you could read. And then suddenly now they've got, you know, portfolio tastings and all these yeah. like very grown up things. So I think that we, the store and it's the actually industry. It's Jennifer now. No, that's how grown up that now. No, stop. <laughs> well, no, she's not going by Jennifer. Um, now that she's a mom. She she's, is a, you she know, is she a, has like a doctorate. I know. Yeah, she's, Dr. She's Dr. Jenny. smart. She's I know. Very smart. Not that it takes much when you're around me. You can just be somewhat smart. It's one of the things I like about the store is mm-hmm. when I walk in, it feels very clean. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like cluttered. I don't feel like I'm going to knock into anything. What was your idea for setting it up and what do you think people feel when they walk in? Um, first of all, being on the corner and having all that you know, storefront, I wanted people to look in and see something that was visually pleasing. Um, and and while I like besides you and your staff, yes, you mean, besides yeah, all okay. the beautiful just people, trying, who just trying to clarify exactly what you mean by that. Um, but I, I mean, I like stores that have wood and you know are very classic, and there's something to be said for that. But I really, I was, it was, I was tired of that. I wanted something so we had this like I knew that we had to have a tasting table and then we had to have a spit area and that that was important in one area um and I I just wanted something that was really clean and really just you saw the wine and so we did the metal shelving floor to ceiling and I painted it all that off-white color um the store was already really classically set up and had like kind of the linoleum floor were in place and the tin ceiling that were there so it had that kind of classic Brooklyn thing and so rather than adding a bunch to it I wanted you to come in and have it's like you have a little space to shop and that goes, you know, back into the tags and wanting to have a tag on each of the bottles. Like you can shop alone and not feel intimidated or like you're going to knock into anybody, but you can also get help and we are right there because, you know, it's not a huge store. But it also feels like there is enough space where you could have like people standing around and talking and mm-hmm. eating a little long dong sausage and, you know, like kibitzing. <laughs> Come you know? on over next week. Um, yeah, that, that's definitely... There's, we tried to leave some of that space you, in the front. You, so that yeah, you left some open space there. To create a with, community. And there's some sunlight coming in the windows. Mm-hmm. And it's not like the you know the dusty old book and the, the, the brown mahogany. Hey, but look, let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. So you, you're the third wave. You know, Here you are trying to do a more personal experience. You moved from Long Island City to Brooklyn to sell, sell the wines you kind of want to sell. Is there a sense now uh, with the new openings... That if a if a retail store opens in Brooklyn, especially in places like Williamsburg, that they have to have a lot of natural wines. Is that just the reality? What do you mean when you say natural wines? Like right. No. Well, <laughs> I mean, you know, I think broad strokes, you know what I mean. Yes. Uh, in parts of Brooklyn, that would be absolutely true. So um, it's just a given now that it's a in given. this neighborhood that this is what we're going to find. Yes. With a new wine store, I would say yes. I hope that as a thing, it becomes something that actually works, that people do because they want to and not just because they think it's trendy or that it's the only way to sell wine. Because From the customer side or from the buyer side? From the buyer, people opening wine stores, you know, as mm-hmm. they w- are, want to do. Um, and I... And as much as like as much as I love all these new representations of wine and very old classic representations that are making their way to us in New York City and the rest of America, I also am like 
I like a Talbot Chardonnay. Yeah. You know, sometimes I like some really old, like classic American representations. But and can I, the classics um, work at, at price points for retail still, or is that gone the way of the dodo? <laughs> some of the classics can. I mean, what is? It's so interesting to me because you know we sell. Take sherry, for instance. Yeah. We sell a lot of sherry. We have sure. some really interesting sherries. You do. Yeah. We have some sherries that are $70 a bottle right, right. that we don't keep in stock. They sell out. And right. then we ask for six more bottles right. when we can get them. And we feel fortunate that we can because they're a great product. But so the pricing structure, I think, is really it's you can you can people spend money on wine if they're getting something that they really love. I think that's a really good point. If a regular, someone just off the neighborhood comes in and says, I want to learn more about wine, what do you think would be a good way for them to go about doing that? The best way to do it, I always tell people, is to buy the wine Bible. Uh-huh. I mean, if you're really Karen starting McNeil. by Karen McNeil, read the whole book. Mm-hmm. Just read it, like, straight through. And then buy wine as you're reading it from the regions that from you're reading about. the regions about. that you're reading And about. take notes, either in the book or in another piece of paper, you know, and just take notes a lot. And that, and if you really love it from there, there are a number of different directions that you can go into. Um, I think that being in the wine industry, especially on the restaurant side and the psalm side, is kind of like the new trendy thing to do. I mean, they're churning, we're churning out yeah. a lot of people who have a lot of experience in a classroom setting or in a book setting and not uh-huh. in a real like wine experience from tasting wine and drinking wine and getting to know wine and getting to understand new wine and natural wines and things that are really fun and interesting and also old classic wines that that we're all going to be drinking for a long time. In terms of the applicant pool, do you see the kind of there's a shift in terms of people who have spent more time in the classroom rather than sort of hands-on learning? Yeah, I think that that's the the new the new thing, norm amongst the, the young norm. people. Although in retail, people don't find retail to be as glamorous uh-huh. as the restaurant industry. They want to get into the restaurant industry, right? They want to work yeah. in a wine bar. And they have no idea that it really just means twelve-hour days and that you twelve don't. is getting home early. Yeah, I mean, I'll be <laughs> twelve. Yeah, with you. no, I, twelve I is like an easy. Well, day. if you're bartending four to four, right? Right. Yeah, forget the sun. I remember that I had a summer where I don't think that I saw the sun, but like three yeah. days. Right. I mean, you know, and that was just and the half hour. And this was not Alaska. This it was, was not. <laughs> no, not Alaska at all. Yeah, um, but there's something really glamorous about the restaurant world still. And so people are, and I, I'm all for it. I think it's amazing. The more people learn about wine, the more they can talk about wine, the more they drink wine, the more it becomes a part of our culture as it should be. That's got to be a thing for you living in or working in Williamsburg because so many people who work in a restaurant business in Manhattan live over there. younger live yeah. in Williamsburg. Yeah. What are the what are the kids interested in today? What's hip on the beat? You know? <laughs> um, orange wine. Oh, really? I think, still? I, I thought it like kind of had a moment and and then sort of it's took still, a step back. It's still there. It's in terms of still there. What people talk about or what people buy? Um, we sell a bit of it. It's what people talk about. It seems yeah. to be what uh, what they come in and they're most astounded by this wine that they had somewhere. Sure. Um, yeah, no doubt about that. It I, is. It is. It's interesting. I mean, yeah. it is true that if you go through your wine drinking days and you come across a, a glass of orange wine, it's going to be a different experience. And it's smart to go into a retail store and ask them for a bottle and take it home and try and see what the hell is going on there. But um, what's trying? I mean, sherry. We can mention it again. Sherry yeah. is definitely the direction. I feel like people. Do you are feel going like in. it's really hit its moment in terms of it's not just some people writing about it, but it's people I, buying I it. I think. Well, yes, people are buying it. I think in nine months to a year, we'll really see people buying sherry. I think that it's going to 
have the more I I mean I just keep hearing about Sherry from both sides from the industry side right. and from customers who are interested in it and Is that true? Yeah, and there are more Sherry's available on the market and there are Sherry's that are under $20 and that's right. I mean we all know $20 you could, people spend $20 in New York without thinking about it. Right. And so if you can get them to go home with a bottle of Sherry and talk about it and talk about how they, you know, should be drinking it, I think that that is How should they be drinking it? I'm serious. I mean, sherry's tricky. What would you recommend to the people who buy a bottle of sherry? Um, it depends on what kind of experience you like, and that's the yeah. thing about sherry. Um, I read Andre of uh, De Maison. Okay. So, yeah, he yeah. wrote it. I read an interview with him recently, and he compared sherry to the uh, dirty martini, which I thought was really interesting, and in that it has a real salinity like and a savory. Have been put into it? Oh, no, okay. like that kind right. of like that saltiness that people like. Um, yeah. That's true. And, and that there is that that going on. And I definitely, it was interesting this year um, in the rosés, we had a number of rosés that had a little bit of that kind of like salty salinity going yeah. on and people loved them. They didn't yeah. know why, but they really loved them and they were ready for that. And, and that's like why- I saw you had Closey Bone, which mm -hmm. is another which Andre is another, yeah. uh, import that I would he think has- beautiful wines. You know, have some, some salinity. It has a little bit of salinity, definitely. You know. um, so I saw you did some pet nets. We did some pet nets. Yeah, you had like, uh, how did it work? You tell me. Okay, we had a pet nat week. So we actually did an entire week worth of tastings um, and tried to promote the idea of pet nat. There's, so what is pet nat? Oh, goodness. Pet nat is, is where the wine is put into the bottle before it's finished its fermentation. It continues to ferment, usually under a crown cap. And so okay. it has. So a crown cap's like a beer cap. Like a beer cap. Yeah. And then it usually has a little bit of some sort of. There's usually some residual sugar that has not burned off entirely, as well as some sparkle to it. Different okay. levels of sparkle, depending upon winemaker and wines and all sorts of So the, the fizz things. can vary? So, yes. Bottle to bottle? Bottle to bottle. Is that? Do you think it, it varies bottle to bottle with the same producer, or is more just like I almost wine think it, to wine? I think it can vary bottle to bottle with the same producer, mm -hmm. depending upon the producer. I mean, these are the, the people... We have one producer who I feel like has no variance. It definitely vintage to vintage, yes, but mm -hmm. not bottle to bottle because mm -hmm. he's such just a, a great producer um, of wine. And he's been making Pet Nat wine for a long time. Um, and then we have, I feel like, some new renegade winemakers who definitely you see a lot more, let's say, the punk rock ethic uh -huh. in there. Yeah, wine. sure. I, I really think that wine can be totally understood in terms of wine trends as, in, in like you know, classic rock, hair metal, and, yeah. and then punk. Like, yeah. really, it's very easy to see that now we're in the age of punk. We are in the age of punk rock. I think. I mean, you know, get your Henry Rollins t-shirt ready because <laughs> this is what people are drinking. I saw somebody in a dead Kennedy shirt the other day. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Man, I used to have the biggest crush on Kennedy from MTV. Do you remember her? Yes, the, I do remember her. That's a, that's a very different <laughs> Didn't she, like, have, didn't she get sick and then get better? Oh, I don't know about that. Okay. What do you mean, like cancer? Yeah, or? she wrote some book. I can't remember. Maybe I missed I don't read non-wine books. Oh, really? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's just, it's, it's a time thing. There's too many true. books now. It's true. You know what I mean? I think it was easier when people just had like the Hugh Johnson pocket guide and Andrew Simone's like, you know, world book. And it was like, oh, we're done for the year. Like that's all we could read. And you, you know could, what I mean? th those were the days when you could kind of say anything you wanted about wine and you could get away wait, with it. Wait, someone <laughs> told you I was doing that? No, I've never, no. no I've <laughs> never heard of anybody doing that. I just want to make uh, sure the rumor doesn't get out too much. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. You know what was cool about back then? Is that you could like crib someone's work, pass it off as your own, and seem like a really brilliant dude. Mm -hmm. Whereas now, if you do that, people call you out immediately, and you're like, you just are sound like dude. And you're yeah. like, oh, because I used to do this to be smart. Now you're saying I'm just a follower. You know what I mean? It's yep. it's like a different wine culture. 
It is a different wine culture. Some of these plagiarists that get fired, if they just had gotten into wine like 10 years ago, they could be like really (laughs) famous right now. Maybe not rich, but definitely famous. You know what I mean? I don't think there's anyone rich in the wine business. There there are some rich people in the wine business. In the liquor business or in the wine business? I think there are a few rich people in the wine business. I think they started rich. Uh, Yeah, maybe they started rich. Or we're going to have them on the show and they can tell me the secret. (laughs) I'm telling you, I don't see it. That will be the podcast that goes through the roof. The rich guy is the guy who has like a big cellar. You're like, wow, look at that cellar. You know what I mean? That's true. You know, a lot of it goes into liquid assets, you know, in a very real liquid sense. It's very true. So pet net though. I mean, why'd you make the big leap? I mean, honestly, I've never seen so many pet nets on <laughs> one shelving unit. One time in my life. Um we did it because it's fun. Yeah. Because we well, enjoy them. Because yeah. it's it was because last year I took a bottle home and of uh, this made by um Kalik, Andrea Kalik, yeah. called Blonde. Yeah, it's I a love good that one. one. No, it's, I think it's a really exciting one. <laughs> it is a good one. I think wine. it's better than good. <clears throat> it's yeah, we don't have it this year, unfortunately. Um but Is that because of allocation stuff? No, he uh it never it never made it into being a pet net this year. Oh so I didn't um, know that. Yeah. So there it, it, this vintage didn't hasn't happened. I find the reds less <clears throat> exciting, like tannic wise. I don't know if he gets the bitterness under control, but the the blonde is really the exciting. The blonde is really exciting. The blonde and you know, grilled cheese sandwich and you're sitting at home and you're like, Wow, I'm drinking these this thing and I'm eating this thing and they're both really easy and accessible but yeah. really interesting and really making me enjoy my moment, you know, and that's what it gets back down to. But so I got kind of interested and excited by him, and we thought it would be really fun to do something. Kind of get behind it a little bit. Yeah, and to and to talk about them. Hopefully next year um, I have a couple other wine store owners who might join in and do oh, really? as well. It would be oh, fun cool. if we could have Pet Nat Week every yeah. And you all have some, <clears throat> like, a food tie-in, too. Like somebody comes in and does food now and again at the shop for tasting? We do. A, I, we have a great relationship with Brooklyn Kitchen um, and the Meat Hook, and so we definitely do cook things. Like we've had, we did uh, lamb bacon, by the way, and some crew mm. Beaujolais. The whole store smells amazing. Kind of sorry one, I missed that. To be that honest it's with a you. really good tasting. We do a number of. We did a bunch of sausages with the pet nats, and so we did some. Do like, you find that works well? What kind of sausage are we talking about here? Um, the long dong sausage uh, <laughs> <laughs> was really good. Which what, is, what is that? It's, it's a pepper I, jack. I'm really embarrassed to. <laughs> <laughs> that I'm not familiar with the long dong. Please explain Sausage. to me what that um, is. It's a meat hook creation. It's, oh, I it think is. It's, yeah, okay, it's they, right. we so we just used their sausages. We also did one with Green Goddess that was like a chicken sausage that they made. Um, okay. They do. I don't. You've had their sausages, or have you been out there? Yeah. Yeah. And as soon as they open that Upper East Side branch, I'll be I'll be right on top of it. <laughs> yes, they'll be in the Upper East Side really soon. I, I mean, I know who you're talking about. I wish I'd brought you some. They do some pretty. Kind of wish you did too. They have a bond. Any kind of sausage. gift would have been fine. A T-shirt. Oh I, oh, I have stickers for you. Don't worry. You're <laughs> oh, not getting. Yeah. Away. <laughs> I hope you have a child who likes yeah, stickers. No. Cool. <laughs> oh, long dong stickers. Don't be able to put those everywhere. So. So we don't. I don't cook in there we have had um like cooking events and i would love to do more of those and we keep promising it's the meat hook thing that i was thinking Mm -hmm. about like Mm -hmm. that you have food brought in and and we yeah yeah and drink together in the shop make a convivial atmosphere (laughs) very good what's new in the store yeah what is sherry Sherry yeah sherry's the thing yeah um and then we're gonna try and i'm gonna try and bring back this is going to be my thing. Try and bring back some classic American wines. Oh, yeah? You're going to get behind it? <laughs> I'm going to get behind it. The new old. The old new. You're going to bring back classic rock in the age of punk? Exactly. So Isn't what's standing what out for you? Well, I guess. I mean, Springsteen's still popular somewhere, more than Henry Rollins. But... Springsteen is still popular. 
So why? What's why? I um, mean, maybe, what's the draw? I'd like a little structure and some consistency. You mean in, my in terms wine? of your like? Okay, so you're tired of like, hey, it maybe has bubbles and maybe, maybe it doesn't. doesn't. Maybe it's sweet. Maybe it's not. Yeah. Oh gosh, yeah. bottle shock. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm kind some bottles like, show better. Some bottles show worse. Yeah. Is it a fruit day? Hey, Is it a Brett showed day? up today. Brett didn't show up today. <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. 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 So nice. California offers that for you. That's the. I don't know if it's necessarily California. There's also Oregon and Washington. Yeah. Um, I'm from Washington State. I like uh, Washington State wines. Which is a good point. So, you know, uh, is there a tie-in there where you're like, hey, you know, maybe people don't. Because you had said that you had worked with some kind of up-and-coming Washington State winemakers sort of early on in the career. So um, yeah. Where I are those like, people now? Are those like the kingpins uh, now? They're all allocated. Oh, I you gotcha. know, it's Leonetti and Andrew Will, and people, you know, <laughs> you're, like, yeah. you're like, wow, these wines are great. They yeah. are great. Just can't get them. Um, which I think is also ridiculous. I do think that there are people in Washington who are making some really delicious wine. So New York, what do you think about it? Here you've been for how many years altogether? Oh, um, well, I moved here first when I was 19 and stayed for a few years, and then left. You know how that if you can get out in the first three years, then you might actually get away. Mm -hmm. um, and within five months, was like, what was I thinking? And now I'm here. I think I've been here 15 years. There are things that I love, but being a part of like the natural wine group, I I, yeah. I can't get on board with a movement of wine just because it is supposed to be cool. Like right. there are some great wines that are made naturally and that fall into that natural wine category that uh -huh. I love and right. that I will go back to. And there are some that I'm, let's say, surprised by that I wouldn't choose to necessarily have in my refrigerator. Right. Um, There's, I mean, do you think the scene's getting younger? I feel like the scene's, the getting, scene's younger. getting younger. But when it I, always is getting younger or else I, it would be dying. When I started... I, I looked around this wine tasting I was in, and everybody was wearing a blue blazer and had a bald spot. Every oh, yeah. single dude. And I could see them all because I was in the back of the room. Yeah. I was afraid to sit in the front. Yeah. And I was in my 20s, and I was like, this is the wine scene. This is a bunch of old dudes with bald spots. And to the extent that I thought maybe wine causes you to like, lose your hair. Cause all <laughs> and, these guys and wear have, blazers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can't, can't quite get the color unless I judge it versus my blazer. But, you know, yeah. now not exactly the way. You no, know, big change. Have you seen some of that yourself? I mean, has that brought it's you through the, a little bit? Definitely, it's a huge change. I mean, it, um, like anything else, the young people of tomorrow, that that younger generation, they're excited and interested and like willing to try things that I think the older generation are not interested. You know, the people who read Wine Spectator every single month are probably wearing blazers and going to a lot of those tastings. And I remember that. I remember being a woman in that scenario at those tastings and trying to get, or, you know, at wine events and trying to get up to actually be able to taste the wine and be, like, ignored and kind of pushed aside because I was... You felt that way. Yeah, 23 years old, 24 years old. Um, I did say I was sorry. I, I just had to get to the other <laughs> side of the room. It was not you. <laughs> I know that. Um, yeah, but it's definitely, it's definitely become a younger thing. It used to be that you drank wine with your dad. Um, right. And now you bring your dad wine that he's never had. Oh, that's a good way of putting it. And it it really is. And people seem open to that, though. That's what people want to do they on both sides to. of the equation. And it's great because wine is essentially something that is meant to be enjoyed with as a part of your life. There are so many people love to have rules about it. They love to, you know, talk about how you have to drink something and how it has to be decanted or how it has to be served. Or, and, and 
ultimately, I think how you're supposed to be served is the first rule. Actually, <laughs> if you could just restate them for okay. me. Okay, how you're served, then how it's decanted, <laughs> and then where the placement of the glasses in relationship to your nose is how the wine. I didn't, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Like, just, there is a hierarchy for the oh, rules okay. that you need to observe. Yeah. Okay, if you, yeah, I'm sorry, um, and but but people, you know, like the rules are there are no rules anymore, right. and so it's it's fun to be able to buy something and take it home and really just drink it with you know, with your dad or with your mom and show them something and talk about wine that's exciting to you. Do you feel that's really opened things up on the retail buying side? Like you just yeah. have so much more discretion to decide that it's going to be pet nap month? I mean, uh, yeah, basically. The, the, yeah, we do. I mean, when I when I first opened the store, first of all, we did not have the importers that we have now. They just, there were so few. We Who had, are big for you? We do a lot. I mean, we do a lot with Savio Suarez. We do mm-hmm. a bit with Joe Dresner. We do mm-hmm. a lot with T. Edwards, with VOS. You wrote with, a piece about meeting Dresner in, uh, in, in the blog. And, I did. And it seemed like you had been kind of touched by the Dresner as, as some others have been. At, at we had a, we had, you know, um, as I think you said, you walked past the store in Long Island City. Yeah. Um, when I was there, I had pioneered Jackson Avenue because I really felt like Jackson Avenue was going to be something. And Joe used to bike home via the store, um, unbeknownst to me. So I was in the store one day, and this guy comes in in pure Joe Dresner way with, like, clip-on shoes and, like, tight bike shorts. And he starts looking around, and he's like, hey, you got the – hey, what's this? Hey, And he was – like he was excited. He was excited by the wines that I was excited by and not by the wines that I had bought that I knew would sell, but by the wines that I had bought that I was like, I have no right, idea right. if anybody's ever going to buy this Fougere, yeah. but I love it. It tastes like bacon. On this for a while. Yeah, I'll end up drinking the whole case, but I'm going to take that risk. Um, <clears throat> and he was, he was very supportive. I mean, we had a, um, there was a, a number of years that we did not have any, Joe and I did not have a, a relationship, but we ended up uh, making up right before he passed away. Um, and I think that what he did for the wine industry was great. I mean, he's, everybody has their own Joe story um, and he is actually who he is, but yeah, he was very supportive of me as a store. He was really excited to see that somebody was opening a store and buying wines they wanted and selling them because they liked the wines, not because they were scored wines or because of anything else. One thing that I, I do see at, sometimes at retail shops that I didn't see at yours was like the bookshelf of books for sale. We sell only two books. Oh, okay. We sell the Hugh Johnson and the Wine Bible. Um, I don't legally. Yeah, I don't know if you're allowed to sell any of that stuff. And stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the bags, the gift bags. You can sell gift bags at cost. I mean, let's really bore people on this podcast. Yeah. I'll have the most boring yeah. one. Let me tell you about the State Liquor Authority. Lots. You wouldn't be the first to do this. Um, yeah, so I um, also Brooklyn Kitchen is around the corner, and right. they have a great book selection, oh, okay. and we love so to have people go. go over there and buy all of their. They have an extensive wine accessory collection, and we like you like go there and buy yeah. that because it's it's close and it's you know we're sister stores, so might as well support both of us. There are a few uh, retail shops in Williamsburg. Some mm-hmm. of them have uh, also corner spaces some of them are on really busy streets like maybe bedford ave yeah how do you find that you're a little different than some of the other shops around the corner um we can give the shout out to uva i actually have a lot of admiration for that store i feel like um what they did as far as moving everybody in a direction of drinking lots of great wine is you know it can't be looked down upon it's again it's that foot soldier of the wine industry mentality at uva Mm -hmm. where they will they will Bring you in, yeah, and they want you to do that. I really, um, 
I'm, I'm going to relate this to my cafe for a second. I have this sure. cafe in Greenpoint that when I opened was – Nobody was on the north end of Greenpoint, and we struggled all the time. And I had just had a cafe in Long Island City before that, which the building had been bought and knocked down. And so we'd been gentrified out, and we went over to Greenpoint. Um, and after being, like, really struggling for years, we finally got our foothold, and we now I now have this thriving cafe over there. Um, two years ago, one of our customers opened a cafe next door to me. Oh. And my first moment was to really be freaked out and to decide that this was it. And yeah. then I went, you know what? If I continue to do the exact same thing I've done for the last like five years, it's probably going to be just as successful. And in fact, ironically, we do better now because people come to us and if the line is too long, right. they go next door or they just skip it. But at least they have another option. Right. And I feel the same can be said for wine stores. I don't think that there's like – there are so many wines that I wish I could carry that I don't carry. Um, I feel like there's a lot of room for a lot of different wine stores. I know that – that if you're doing something that you really believe in, which I really believe in my wine store, I believe in the wines that are there, and I believe that we are adding something to the neighborhood, that if you're going to do the same thing, and that's where your your impetus comes from, then you probably will be successful, and you should join us in the wine industry. If you're doing this because you think it's going to be great moneymaker, and that you're going to get rich, and it's like shooting fish in a barrel, you're probably going to be miserable because it's not, you know, and you you may not be as successful. Hey, Talitha, thank you so much for, you know, a wonderful talk today. And it was really great to learn more about the store. And I appreciate uh, you taking the time. Thank you so much for having me. All Drink to That is hosted and produced by myself, Levy Dalton. Aaron Skella has contributed original pieces. Editorial assistance has been provided by Bill Kimsey. The show music was performed and composed by Rob Moose and Thomas Bartlett. Show artwork by Alicia Tenoyan. T-shirts, sweatshirts, coffee mugs, and so much more, including show stickers, notebooks, and even gift wrap are available for sale if you check the show website, alldrinktothatpod.com. That's I-L-L, drinktothatpod.com, which is the same place you'd go to sign up for our email list or to make one of the crucially important donations that help keep this show operating. You can donate from anywhere using PayPal or Stripe on the show website. Remember to hit subscribe or to follow this show in your favorite podcast app, please. That's super important to see every episode. And thank you for listening.